Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you for joining us. If you're watching online, thank you for tuning in. If you're in the auditorium, would you please stand and worship with us this morning? When night has fallen, when fear is coming, still you're calling me. My faith exhausted, hope is exhausted. You will be my strength When my mind says I'm not good enough God, you're enough for me I've decided I'm not giving up Cause you won't give up on me You won't give up on me Your love is holding on and it won't let go Every season, you keep repeating promises to me. Now there's no stopping what you have started until it is complete. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. Yeah, I've decided I'm not you won't give up on me, you won't give up on me, your love is holding on and it won't let go, I feel it breaking down like an echo, your love is holding on and it won't let go, I feel it breaking down like an echo. Through every battle, 
Through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe through every blessing, through every promise. Through every breath I take, I believe that you are protector, that you are protector, you are the one I love, I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. set on you and you meet me here today with mercies that are new all my fears and doubts they can all come to because they can't stay along when I am here with you it's a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today Mercies that are new, all my fears and doubts, they can all come to, because they can't stay long, when I believe you are the way, the truth, the lie.
standing while we pray. Father, thank you so much for waking us up and, and bringing us here this morning. God, um, whether it was uh, an alarm clock or our body clock that we think may have woke us up, you're the one that woke us up. You're the one that brought us here. There's something that you want to teach us today about who you are and who we are because of who you are. And so, Father, as we live lives in the freedom that your blood bought, we thank you. We thank you that we can worship freely. We thank you for everything you've done and everything that you are doing. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Feel free to have a seat and relax. Uh, well, good morning. It's good to see uh, everybody on uh, this amazing June 6th. Um, I want to take a few minutes right now and just celebrate uh, some of our high school grads. And so um, if I could get Abigail Ford and Kale Baker to join me up here, if you guys want to give them a round of applause while they're working their way up. They have worked for years and years and years to stand up here for you guys to applaud. So make sure that your hands get sore from clapping so hard. Um, we also have another one of our grads um, who is not able to be here. He's working real hard. His name is Caleb Vrega. He's a stud. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him uh, in a minute. Um, but I wanted to share a little bit about these guys, uh, what they just completed and what they're doing next. Um, so we will get started, ladies first, uh, with Miss Abigail. So these these two are some of our um, high school, um, our homeschool rock stars. They are just better than everybody. And so um, a little bit about them. So Abigail, uh, she is uh, finishing, getting her diploma from the Pennsylvania Homeschoolers Accreditation Agency. She's awesome and really smart. Um, she's actually taken this year off so that we can all catch up to her. Um, but a few things that she'll be doing, she's going to be doing some traveling over the summer. Um, but a little bit about her background. Um, she uh, was a member of the Washington County Homeschoolers Cooperative since preschool. So she kind of runs it now. Um, she was also a member of the Heart and Home 4-H Club for eight years. That's eight years more than me. Um, uh, she's done tons of projects, including the Washington County Fair. So uh, just an incredible uh, hard worker. We're so proud of you. And she's going to be working at a coffee shop this summer. So find out where that is and just go tip really, really well. Um, so congratulations to you. Now, Kale, first off, I love your hat. It's amazing. I, it, I think all all seniors should get that hat. Just the, the, the square is outdated. That's the one to go with. Um, so... So Kayla's graduating, so congratulations uh, for you. He has been working hard essentially his whole life. Um, He's doing a vocational uh, apprenticeship next, uh, continuing on to do that. So he's been working most of his high school summers doing odd jobs, being a handyman, uh, working for his uh, pappy. And then last year, he started working as a groundsman with his friend's business, the branch manager. So talk about going on a limb for a job. (laughs) I had to. I had to. Um, 
But uh, he's been picking up tons of skills, uh, and he's pursuing opportunities right now to apprentice to become an arborist. If you don't know what it is, ask him. He'll tell you. Um, and uh, hopefully to lead a, gr- a crew of groundsmen himself someday, which I'm sure you will. Everybody will want to work for you, even besides because you wear awesome hats. And so um, lastly, Caleb Varega. So Caleb, uh, he's finishing up at Ringgold. Caleb was one of the first... Uh, students that I ever met here at Crossroads, and I knew that I was going to like this place as soon as I met him. Um, he's not a naturally curly hair. Um, he got that done professionally, but it looks good on him. Um, so he's finishing up um, at Ringgold. Uh, he is going to be going to the Pittsburgh Technical College, getting an associate's in HVAC. Um, so he's going to keep you cool and warm. Um, and if you know Caleb, that makes perfect sense. Um, so we, if we can all right now, let's give another round of applause. Celebrate what these guys have done. Again, they've worked really, really hard. We are so proud, so proud of each of you. You deserve all the celebration. Take the next five minutes. Do a happy dance, whatever you want to do. But I want you to know something. We love you. We are praying for you. We are proud of you. And we believe that God is going to do amazing things through you. Let's, just, let's pray over them together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are with us as we go about our journeys, as we, as we take adventure after adventure with you, God. We know that you are faithful. And so we thank you for Caleb, for Abigail, and for Cale. As you have walked with them, as you have taught them lessons, as you have, as you have used them to do uh, great and mighty things through you. We believe that the next chapter of their stories is going to be even more amazing than the last. So God, as a church family... We continue to pray for them. We continue uh, to come before you on their behalf. And we believe um, that the best is yet to come. Help them to always know that they have family here and that we will always be in their corner. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give them a hand? Great job, guys. Great job. I love when we get to celebrate our graduates. It's one of my favorite things we do here. Just recognizing accomplishments and, you know, good, good, great, great, great job, guys. Really proud of you all. Hey, I just want to say we're glad you're here. You guys, can we clap and thank God for all he's doing in this church? We clap. I love it. So if we have any uh, guests in the house, anybody joining us online, if you're online, let us know. And if you're here in the building, please stop by the Welcome Center. We'd love to talk with you and just give you something by just saying thanks for being here with us this morning for for checking things out. Um, Guys, I just want to say we have a movie night coming up on June 18th. And so we're going to be showing the movie Crudes 2. And it's a great family movie. And so you can go ahead and head to our website and you can just RSVP. And so all you have to do is if you want to pile, it's like a drive-in movie. Like you pile in one car, just register one car. One ticket equals one car. We're going to be having a a gourmet food truck, a gourmet hot dog food truck, and some concessions available. Please bring your own food. Uh, But we're going to have a fun time on June 18th. And the movie will show, you know, right around dusk. Um, So come on up and and we look forward to a great night. And we're going to have three movie nights this summer that are planned. Who knows? We might throw another one in. But we're looking forward to that. And then also in June, we're having our we're kind of doing it. We're doing something different. We're going to have our summer barbecues. And so our summer barbecues are going to be at all kinds of different houses. So if you go to our website, we're just we want to encourage you all to go and meet new people, see people you haven't seen in a while and enjoy some good food. And so you can sign up. Um, there's a whole bunch of dates in June. You can see where they are. They're going to be meeting at different host homes. 
um, in the area from our church. Uh, but you can see kind of the different areas where people are living. And then if you have any questions, just let us know. But those are gonna those are gonna be throughout June. Then we're gonna do some in July, and then we're gonna do some in August. But we're just encouraging our church to gather, have good food, and just have fellowship. You know, I, I think you can't have that enough. You know, just spending time together as a church, as a body. So we're looking forward to that. So sign up uh, for our backyard barbecues the whole month of June. Go to our website. You can see more information there. And then I want you all to watch this quick video talking about VBS. everyone, Coach John here. I'm a ninja athlete and a two-time competitor on American Ninja Warrior. I cannot wait for Mega Sports Camp, Heart of a Champion. Every athlete loves to win. At Mega Sports Camp, kids will discover how to become champions, both in sports and in their faith. They'll enjoy action-packed sports training sessions mixed with fun rallies where you will introduce kids in your church and community to their true champion, Jesus. Sign up to volunteer today. Looks fun, huh? It's going to be fun. July 12th through the 16th, you can register on the front page of our website. And uh, so please stop by the Welcome Center as you leave for two things. One, for the movie night. And also, if you can stick around right after this service, we're going to have a short interest meeting uh, for those who are going to help um, volunteer and be on the team for movie nights. It's going to be a real quick meeting right here uh, after the service. Um, but also check out the VBS table in the lobby if you have any questions about serving, how to sign up your kids, or you know what what is this mega sports camp. And so again, kind of like that guy was saying, our goal with Vacation Bible School is to help these kids, you know, grow in their faith and help them to, you know, really to also get better at a sport, which would be really cool. So sports is a great bridge. And so we're going to use that bridge to reach kids for Christ. And so that's what's going to happen on July 12th through the 16th. And so we're looking forward to that. So if you have any questions about movie nights or about the heart of a champion in Vacation Bible School mega sports camp, stop by the table as you leave and they'll be able to answer any questions. But guys, I just want to say God's been so good to us, hasn't he? He's just been so good to us and growing us in crazy ways. And so one of the ways that I know God is continuing to grow us is is in the area of giving. So thank you for your faithfulness in giving and continuing to just move forward to just say, God, grow us to help us to be cheerful givers. And so as we do that, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness, um, for giving in through the mail, the boxes on the wall, also online. And so, uh, guys, thank you for being uh, on on team, you know, on, on church, you know, we're all on the same team moving towards the mission to see lives changed by Jesus, which our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's why we do what we do. And so that includes giving and we give towards that mission. Would you guys pray with me as we continue on? God, thank you for this morning, for uh, Lord, just the opportunity to celebrate those graduates, Lord, to sing songs to you, uh, Lord, to talk about all the events that were coming up, Lord, and, and Lord, to also um, just just think about giving, Lord. Um, we just thank you for the faithfulness of your people here at Crossroads, Lord. Um, those joining us online, those here in the building, God, thank you for growing us, uh, for, for moving in our lives, uh, for helping us understand the bigger picture in all this, and that's to have a relationship with you, Jesus, and to tell others about you, and then to encourage those people and challenge those people to tell others about you. Uh, Lord, we want to see this community. We want to see this city. We want to see this world changed um, because of you, Jesus. We love you. Grow us now as we open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
Before we jump into our message today, I want to uh, just invite you to Saturday here at the church. We're going to be having a celebration of life for Jamie Zayak, uh, who passed away just a few weeks ago. Jamie was one of our aides in the preschool here, uh, served faithfully, was part of our church for the last three or four years, and uh, she went on to be with the Lord. She leaves behind a husband and two small children. So um, there will be a celebration of her life here on Saturday at 11 o'clock, and then we'll be having a, a, a time in the gym afterwards. And so I want to encourage you, if you knew her, if you had any touch with her, to please stop in and encourage her family, and uh, we're just going to love on them a little bit here. That's this Saturday at 11 o'clock. Uh, <clears throat> we've been in a remarkable journey. We've been looking at verse by verse from the book of Mark. What does John Mark? John Mark is giving us through the eyes of Peter. He's giving you a lot of the eyewitness through the eyes of Peter. He's writing it down. He's telling you, hey, listen, this is the good news. Very first line of his, of his book starts out, this is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that will change your life. And so the whole book is about good news. It's about good news. <clears throat> we started out looking at a few weeks ago at the parable. When he started to teach, he started talking parables. So he went from talking about, you know, uh, repent and believe, repent and believe. It was clear. And then all of a sudden he moves on a dime and he says, okay, I'm going to talk in a parable. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. So he would tell a story and, and hope, you know, hey, if you're, if, you're, if you're eager, you're going to come back for more. You're going to come back next week and you're going to find out some more. And you're going to keep learning. You'll keep hearing yourself and what I'm saying. And so he would tell them about the kingdom of heaven. He would talk about the kingdom of heaven and the parable of the soil. Last week, Pastor Al shared about the parable of the lamp. You know, whenever you begin to follow Christ, this is not something that you keep quiet. It's not something that you keep hidden. It's a light. Light shines. You just let the light shine. You don't go and hide it. And So you let the light shine. He goes into the parable of the growing seed, that whenever God gives you this faith, that will grow. And we looked at the parable of the mustard seed. He talked about how just from such a little bit of faith... That, that great things can grow. And so God will do that in your life with just a little bit of faith. And so here he comes along and, and Mark is giving you this, this incredible journey about how remarkable that Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, that he is the, uh, the good news. And uh, every, every teacher knows that, uh, you know, what he's going through, he's giving the teaching. And every teacher knows that there has to be a test after some good teaching. Have you ever noticed that? That was a part of school that I did not like at all. I, I didn't. I, I didn't particularly care for the testing. I particularly didn't care for the studying either. That's why I didn't do well on the test. You know. Uh, you know. The teacher would say, "Go home and read this," and uh, and I wasn't smart enough to read it. I was smart enough to sit next to the kids who did read it, and I didn't cheat. They just told me the answers before class started. There was a. I'll never forget. We did uh, a literature class when I was in high school, and uh, I was supposed to read the Scarlet Letter. And, uh, and the rest of the class read it. But I would come in for the test, and I, wouldn't, I didn't read the thing. I just would say, now tell me, what's the key parts that I know for the test? Tell me what's the plot, what's, the, what's this, what's that? And so I got enough that I got out of the class. But every good teacher knows that there must be a test. Otherwise, did you catch it? And so Jesus is about to, because as you're reading through, you're going through, you say he did four parables right in a row. Then all of a sudden, it's like Mark flips a switch. Like, what is he doing? Well, he's showing you the test. At the same time, he's showing you that Mark is a faithful reporter. 
Mark is telling you the events that happened. And as we go into this, the, the, to, towards the end of Mark chapter 4 here, you're going to see a story that's very familiar to many of you, but there are many details. And he gives a lot of details in the story that aren't necessary to the overall theme of the book. Like, like that's what happens whenever you're an eyewitness. When you're an eyewitness, you come up and you tell the details. Many times there are details that are irrelevant to the to what actually happened, but they're, they're details. Jesus and the Eyewitness, a book written by Richard Bachman. Richard Bachman says this. He says, one of the marks of an eyewitness account is irrelevant details. You know, if I had witnessed a, a, an accident, I would you would you'd hear my account of the accident. I'd say, well, you know, I was on my way to the store and I stopped down at Dollar General to get toothpaste. And I come out of I come out of the store, and there was this guy. He was three times my size, and all I wanted you wanted to hear about the accident, right? And I'd be telling you these details that are irrelevant to the accident. And then I would finally get to the accident, and I would tell you, yeah, these two cars smashed up. Well, whenever you're reading through the book of Mark here, you find that there are some details that that don't necessarily support the overall theme, don't necessarily get to the chase line, but that's what happens when you have eyewitness. And so this here, Vincent Taylor said this. He said he's a a very prominent uh, 20th century Bible scholar. He said that these details were so unnecessary and therefore they have the marks of genuine reminiscence. So in other words, this was Peter, Peter's recalling. Uh, remember, John Mark is giving you through the eyes of Peter his first hand. This is, this is what Peter saw. This is how Peter sees it. And so he gives you the details. And look at the details. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. So here's a detail. It's the same day he got done teaching. He says, let's go to the other side. Remember, Jesus had been in the boat teaching. And so he's already in the boat. He says, let's go to the other side of the lake. Um, Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. See the little details of the of the eyewitness. And there were other boats, too. Again, as as you've read this throughout the years. and, And by the way, Matthew reports this. Mark reports this and Luke reports it. So if you see it three times in Scripture, it means, hey, you ought to pay attention to it. There's something pretty big here. And, and so so there, there were also other boats with him. But for whatever reason, I've overread beyond that detail. So it was the 12 disciples were going across to the other side. And there were several other followers, several other disciples that were going across. Remember, there were the 12, there were the 70, there were the 120. There were different sized groups. So you had the 12 and then a few others were going across in smaller boats, other little boats. Verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. So that it was nearly swamped. Like there, there was so much, so much water was, 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 was taking over the boat and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping. The next verse. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care? And, and so, so as they're going out, I want you to catch this because you say, okay, I've heard this before. Let me give you a little background about the storm here. When you think of the storm, I want to show you the area, first of all. Here's the Sea of Galilee. This is where this event took place. Capernaum is where a lot of what we've been talking about, where his teaching was based along the Capernaum shore. You see a few other cities in here that you'll recognize from the Bible, Bethsaida. 
uh, Caesarea Philippi to the north. But at the black arrow that I have at the top there to Mount Hermon uh, is about 30 miles north, and it, it, has, it has a significance to it. 30 miles north, there is this mountain, Mount Hermon. It is 9,200 feet tall. Come down to the Sea of Galilee, it's 600 feet below sea level. So you have this dramatic altitude difference. You have over here, you have the Mediterranean Sea, 600 feet below sea level is this, this sea. Up here, 30 miles north, is this mountain. Let me show it to you on Google Earth. I love this thing, all right? Just watch as this rolls, and this is a modern, modern, you know, Google Earth. Here you are, Mount Hermon. You can see see how it depicts the mountain range. And so you got this high altitude, and then it's going to swing on down here. 30 miles south of uh, Mount Hermon is this Sea of Galilee. And this is where this event took place. So, so when, I, when I think of this, it's like, wow, what's the big deal about that mountain? Let me, let me give it to you like this. That mountain up there was cold. That mountain produced a lot of wind. And so you would see these cap, snow-capped mountains from time to time that would be producing wind that would come down into the lake. And so that cold, cold from that high altitude, that cold air coming down, clashing with the warm air, creating a storm. And so you would see how the storm would happen. Well, these disciples, they were, they were schooled at that. And whenever, you know, they understood they were fishermen. Their dad taught them how to fish. They had fished all their life. Yeah, they're young men. They're, they're like young adults, but they had fished all their life. These were professional fishermen. They knew how to handle weather. They knew how to handle the boat. They knew how to, how to handle things when things were going down. And, uh, and so they're out there, and they get alarmed at the storm because the storm is bad. <clears throat> now, let me tell you, when, whenever you get out on the water, things can change pretty rapidly, can't they? Like if you've ever been up on Lake Erie, you know, they say, you know, that, that lake can change so fast. Weather comes in. Uh, if you're on the water and, you, and you're not schooled at how to deal with this, you better get back quickly. And so these men, they knew how to deal with it. They knew, okay, this is a typical storm. This is not a typical storm. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So they were going to the other side. He had a plan. He was. He said, let's go. It was his plan. And so he's they're following his plan. And listen, when they got in the boat, I would say that there was no wind. I would say that Peter wasn't getting in the boat. Peter would have said, hey, Jesus, can we wait another hour until the wind dies down? I would say that when they got out there and they got moving, all of a sudden, these storms that can just whip up like nothing came in out of the blue and took over. I remember, um, you know, whenever whenever you hear the locals get... Um, ex- uh, concerned, that's whenever you should get concerned. Uh, years ago, I've told you before about our time in the jungle. Man, that rainforest came. It was the rainforest jungle where, where, where the storm is thundering and lightning. And I mean, it just got me beside myself. And, and I'm like, you know, are we ever going to make it out of here alive? And, and the guy who was with us, he's trying to calm us down, Daniel Gonzalez. He's like, oh, everything's fine, brother. No problem. No problem. Oh, it's just rain. This is the rainforest. The next day we get up and I hear that some of the kids had been crying. Like, like the, they were crying because the thunder was uh, so loud and the lightning was striking so close. And so when, you know, when, when you hear the locals get concerned, that's when you get concerned. This was a legit storm. This was bad news. They thought they were going to die. These were not, these were not people like me going out and saying, wow, it was bad weather. It was like the locals said it was bad. Verse 39, he got up and he rebuked the wind. 
So they go, they get him. Don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care that we're going to drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then they were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And so when Jesus woke up, here's Jesus. He's sleeping in the stern of the boat. He's got his head on a cushion, on a pillow. Imagine that. There's another detail there, guys. Um, he says, listen, he's down there. He's asleep. They're, they're terrified after he calms the storm. Two amazing things happen here. Number one, he stands up and with his words. He didn't brace himself. He didn't make an incantation. He didn't say in the name of anybody. He just got up and in the very name of Jesus, with the power that he had, he said, be still. Peace be still. Quiet. The, the, the word written there is, is this. Hold your peace. Did you ever get with somebody and tell them to be quiet? That's not fun when you have to say that, is it? Quiet. I'm talking, right? Jesus, it's a, it's a position of authority. And so Jesus stands up and he says, hold your peace. It's like talking to a child. You know, sometimes a, a kid's making noise and you go to that kid and you say, now be quiet. The difference here, you know, that child starts making noise in about ten more minutes. Jesus goes up to the storm. And he says, be still. And he has outer command. Now, I want you to catch this. this. This wind is coming off the mountain range. It's cold. It's clashing. They think they're dying. The water, they've taken so much water into this boat. They believe the boat is sinking. And Jesus calms the storm. And then he says this. He says, the storm died down and it was completely calm. Jump back to verse 39 there. It's very interesting. It says that when he got up, he rebuked the storm. He says, quiet, be still. And listen, when he says rebuke, many times, you know, I've just kind of read that as a Bible term. Rebuke is a tough term. He's calling, he's calling him on the car, but he says, shut up, in, in, in Jesus' terms. You know, he wasn't like, be quiet, be still. He was in charge. As a matter of fact, it's the same word that he used for the demon. When he cast out the demon, and we looked at that earlier on in the book of Mark, it's the same word, quiet, be still. Get out. It's over. I'm in charge. And so when he did that, then it says, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now, now what he's referring to here, it sounds redundant. The wind died down and it was completely calm. He's referring to this. Yes, the storm stopped and so did the waves. If you've ever been on the water and you've been there when it was storming, you know that for hours afterwards the waves keep beating the shore. Just let a boat go by and the waves keep, the, the wake of one boat can, can really mess you up. I remember I was in a kayak down in Hilton Head. And that, that's not a good combination, me and a kayak. I was in a kayak down in Hilton Head last year. And, and you know, and we're out there and, and, you know, they said, hey, listen, if a boat comes by, you gotta like stop and, and like take care of, you know, don't, don't get caught in this, this thing. I'm like, oh Lord. And sure enough, boats came by. And sure enough, God was there and he protected me. But, but, I, but I want you to catch it because just that little bit of a wake, long after the boat was gone, long after the storm is gone, man, the waves batter and the waves beat and it's painful and it hurts. Listen, let me tell you, 
Jesus got up. He said, quiet, be still. Not only did the rain stop, not only did the wind stop, not only did everything stop, but the, 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 the water went like glass. It went quiet. He says that he, the wind died down and they, everything was completely calm. It was completely calm. It was like glass water out there. You know, one thing that the, that the ancients understood was this. They, they all agreed. You, you read this in history, and everybody agreed to this, was that the sea was uncontrolled by anyone but God. Uh, the sea was a symbol of unstoppable destruction, so only God could stop the destruction of the sea. Um, and so you may have heard the story of, about, of a guy... He was a king, King Canute. He was a Danish king in the 11th century. He had quite a following, and the following was really uh, just giving him accolades and kind of put him on a pedestal. And he was a humble man, and he asked, he said, Am I divine? And King Canute, in order to show his humility, he goes over to the waves, and he says, he looks at the waves, and he says, Stop! And, of course, the waves just kept going. What he was doing was he was proving his point. He says that only God can stop the sea. I'm not God. I can't do that. And so he was showing his humility. I want you to remember that when Jesus stood up, Jesus did not conjure up any other name. Like they, the people that day, they were used to hearing prophets say in the name of so-and-so. False prophets would say, in the name of so-and-so, we do this, we do that. And so when Jesus got up, Jesus didn't say in the name of anybody. Jesus got up, he said, peace be still, quiet, it's over, it's done. And everything obeyed. Psalm 89, verse 8 and 9, check this out. Lord God of armies, who is strong like you, Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You roll the raging sea. When its waves surge, you still them. You calm them. This was the, this was the very person who was standing up and, and saying, quiet, be still. And so what he was doing here, he was showing, he was not just showing his power. Remember a few weeks ago we looked at the rest and said that Jesus is rest. Like, not only did he want you to rest on the Sabbath, not only does he bring rest, but he himself is rest. Today, Jesus is saying to us that I am not just somebody with power, I am power. And the first thing in your notes is Jesus is power. Would you say that with me? Jesus is power. You know, it's a mighty claim that, that Jesus would, he, he stood up there, and whenever he stood up there, they, the disciples, they were afraid in the storm, but after the storm, it says they were terrified. Like, like for me, I'm thinking, I'd be pretty happy after the storm's gone, but they were terrified because they saw the power of this man. You know, you can look at life through two different options, and here's the options that you look at life. You could argue that this whole world is just one big storm. You could say that you're just here by accident, uh, that through blind, violent forces of nature, through, uh, through the Big Bang, and when you die, you die, you turn into dust. And, and, you know, after I'm gone, when the sun goes out, there's no one there to, to really know anything anymore. And so in the end, it really doesn't matter how I live, if I was a loving person or an angry person. It doesn't make any difference at all. That's an option. You can look at life like that. But if Jesus is really God... And he is. And if he really has power over the storm, the storm had destruction force, but Jesus had power mightier than that. You can look at who Jesus says that he is. 
you can look at your life. And if He is Lord of the storm, then no matter what shape the world is in, no matter what shape your life is in, you will find that Jesus provides all the healing, all the rest, and all the power that you need or can even possibly want. Look at the emotional state of these disciples. Um, Verse 38, Jesus, who was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're coming to him and they're saying, Listen, don't you understand? Don't you care? They're coming and they're asking some big questions. You know, this goes right to our heart because we all ask this big question from time to time. If you've lived life any length of time and you're a follower of Christ, you would ask God that as well. Everything's going wrong. I just see everything sinking. God seems to be asleep. He seems to be absent. He seems to be unaware. If you loved us, you wouldn't be letting us endure this peril. But I want to remind you. Jesus asked him, look here. Look how he responds to them. Um, verse 39. He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Everything calmed down. Next verse, verse 40. Look what he asked them. He's told, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And when Jesus calmed the storm, he responded to him with that question. Why are you so afraid? Why are you afraid you're going to drown? Why are you? You know, and, and, and they said, well, Lord, we're afraid we're going to drown. We're, we're afraid that you didn't love us. Because if you loved us, you wouldn't let us go through things like this. And Jesus answers them with this question, why? Why? And his, his, his premise behind this is this, is this, that your premise is wrong. You should have known better. I do allow people to go through storms. You had no reason to panic. I was with you the entire time. If they had no reason to panic, they certainly had no reason to be terrified after the storm. They were terrified. And they said, who is this man? Even even nature responds to him. Even creation responds to him. And, and so the storm has immense power. I want you to understand that. A storm has immense power. They couldn't control it. But what they noticed about with Jesus is that he had more power than the storm, and they couldn't control him. Like, as violent as the storm is, if you saw somebody stand up and stop the storm and make everything utterly calm, you would be afraid, too. Because you've never seen anything like that. You've never seen anybody with power like that. You've never seen God like that. And here they are. They're walking shoulder to shoulder with God. They're hanging out with God in the, in the flesh. And here he is. But, you know, let me tell you, both had power. But there's a huge difference. Nature has power. But the storm has power. But the storm doesn't love you. Nature is going to wear you down. You know, one day we will all die. The, the, uh, the disciples that were in this story, 30, 40 years later, they all died. Oh, they were protected from the storm, but they all died. We're here on a temporary assignment. We're all going to die. And the things that we hold so dearly, we, we, wanna, we want to keep this life going forever. And, and listen, I want to encourage you. Yes, we are supposed to live life to its fullest. But let me tell you that this is a very temporary assignment. 
It may be through an earthquake. It could be through a tornado. It could be through a hurricane. Nature is violent. Nature is overwhelming. Illness. All the things that we face in this broken world. It's unmanageable power. But I want you to catch this. Jesus' power, the power that Jesus has is unmanageable. It was far greater than the storm. You can't manage the power of Jesus. Like you can't manage the storm, you can't manage the power of Jesus. But so are his love and his wisdom. Now catch that. His love and his wisdom are so unmanageable as well. Like you say, well, God loves me. God, God, God has a plan for my life. Yeah, and when I'm saying that, let me tell you that he has love that is beyond your wildest imagination. He has wisdom beyond your comprehension. And we come to God and we say, God, why did you let this happen when I was a kid? God, why did this happen? And listen, we have a lot of questions, don't we? There's a lot of things that I question myself. But God's saying, listen, I want you to remember that uh, not only do I have the power, because if you take God's power and you put him into your finite environment, then you say, God, you should have done this. Therefore, I'm rejecting your power. What? God says, no, no, no. I have power, but with my power comes love and wisdom. And I know, and when you get to heaven, you'll see like I see. Over in First Corinthians, he says that we see through a glass. It's clouded now. When we get to heaven, it'll be clear. Listen, when we get to heaven, everything's going to make sense. And, and right now, you say, well, I don't understand why I lost my loved one. I don't understand why I faced this challenge, this health crisis, this financial crisis, why my kid went through this turmoil. Why, 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 why? And listen, he says, listen, my power is unmanageable. My love is unmanageable. There's no limit to my love, and I will, I am going to be with you through those storms. I have wisdom that you can't even comprehend. Elizabeth Elliot was, uh, the wife of a missionary. Five missionaries went into, to the Alka Indians. They, they flew in regularly. They, they set up in a little town called Shell, and then they flew in. And as they would fly in, they would take this little Cessna airplane in and, and just drop off food and gifts. And, and, and they, would, they would make this. They, they knew better than to just go in unannounced and, because they were dealing with unreached people, people that were uncivilized. And so they, they went in with the airplane. They would drop them off. And, and, and they thought they had good signals from the people. And so they end up landing the plane and they go in with more gifts and they're ready to, to tell the people. They want the people to know about Jesus, but they're going first with good things and giving good gifts and, and having ha, just trying to be a, 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 a human. And these men come out. And they shoot them. They take spears and they spear the men and they kill them. And their five men die. Elizabeth Elliot, her husband Jim Elliot was one of them. Jim Elliot is famous for you've read about his his journal quote. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That was in his journal. And he goes in and he gave his life. He couldn't keep his life to gain that which he could not lose. He didn't know he was going to lose his life. Those five ladies, they end up going in and they said the mission is not done. And after they went through a period of healing and recovery, they said, we're going to go in and we're going to tell those people about Jesus because life is short. And those ladies went back in and they they started to tell the people about Jesus. 
Dayume was the very first convert. Mark Slagle and I got to meet Dayume. I have a picture of her. It's amazing that like like she the history was changed because because these people went in and kept following the mission of God. You see the storm right there for many people. The storm is over. They killed my husband. And look what she says. She says, God is God. And since he is God, he is worthy of my worship and service. Elizabeth, your husband died. God is God. He is worthy of my worship and service. I will find rest nowhere else in his will, but in his will. I will find rest nowhere else but in his will. And that will is necessarily, infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond my largest notion of what he is up to. And folks, we face storms. Maybe not severe as Elizabeth Elliot. But boy, the storms are bad. And just like these guys in that boat, man, you feel like you're sinking. And I want to remind you, Jesus is saying here, I'm not going to let your soul sink. It doesn't matter. There's there's something, there's a verse in Scripture that says that what can man do unto me? I am safe in, in God. I am safe. God is my protector. And if God is God, it's okay that there was a storm. Because he has power over the storm. And we all want the punchline to say, Jesus, come into my storm and say, peace, be still. And let me tell you where he's going to do. He's going to come into your heart. And he's going to say, peace, be still. And the storm will be another storm, and there'll be another storm, and there'll be another storm. You know, the only place that is safe is in the will of God. But because he's not God, but because he is God and you're not God, because you're not God, the will of God is necessary. It is immeasurably. It is unspeakably. It is beyond your largest notion of what he is up to. Is he safe? Oh, he's powerful. In the palm of his hand is where safety is. Jesus was asking them, when he asked them that question, why do you have no faith? In the Greek, it's written kind of like this. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? I, I, I like it. I like asking that because where is your faith? Sometimes, you know, you, you have no faith. Why do you have no faith? Where is your faith? And I, I want you to catch this because these were schooled men. They knew what to do in a storm. They knew. I mean, they were schooled fishermen. They weren't bright people. They weren't the, the, the educated. They were the they, they were the smartest of fishermen. And they went out there and they knew what to do. And so when you were with these guys in the storm, you felt safe because they knew how to handle it out there. Was there faith in what they knew about the storm? Was there faith in all that they had learned from their dad? Or was Jesus saying, why didn't you put your faith in me? You saw me perform miracles. You saw me feed, you saw me feed people. You saw me, you saw me heal people. You saw miracle after miracle after miracle. You saw the crowds come. You saw this and, 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 and you didn't really understand. 
And whenever afterwards, they finally understand. And so I want to ask you today, where is your faith? You know, it's not the quality of faith. Quality of faith is not what matters. It is the object of the faith. I want you to imagine yourself going over a cliff. And as you're falling over a cliff, there's a branch sticking out of the cliff. And at that moment, as you're falling over the cliff, you don't have to know very much about that branch, do you? You don't have to know, hey, will that, do I exceed the weight limit of that branch? No. Uh, you're going to reach out and you're going to grab that branch. And in faith, you grab out and you trust it. And you see, if you're going over the cliff, I want you to think about this because we're all going over the cliff and the branch is Jesus. And he says, I just want you, remember, he just said, he just got done teaching them faith of a mustard seed. Just reach out. And he'll grow the rest. The disciples, they were in the boat. And that was the test. And I want to ask you, how are you doing on the test? You come here week in and week out. You're growing in Christ. The test is out there when it's hard. The test is out there when you're rejected. The test is whenever you're facing a problem. Whenever the storms come. Where is your faith? It's not about the quality of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. I want to close with this thought. Remember how much he loves you. And you will remain calm in the storm. That has helped me for my life. You know, this, this past year was, was an incredible year. Um, the whole world has been rocked upside down. Not just in, the, in our country, but around the globe. And there's, uh, there's so many crazy things that are happening in our world. The only place that you will find this comfort and rest is in Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, you've got to, to hold on to me. And as a matter of fact, I think, let me rephrase it like this. Don't be even seeking comfort. We go and we want to seek comfort. God says, don't even come after comfort. Jesus didn't come so that you could feel good. He came so that you could live eternally. He came so that you would be a new person, that you would experience life to the fullest. And so, reach out by faith. And when you do, remember that He loves you. Remember that He has unmanageable power, but yet He has unmanageable love, and He has unmanageable wisdom, and that He has a plan for your life, and that He will never let you go. You're His child. You know, once you have a child, they're your child all your life long. Like it or not, that's the way it is, guys. For those of you that don't have kids, I'm giving you a warning right now. Once you have a kid, they're yours. You know, I see people that are older than me that have, you know, well, my poor mom's here today. You know, she's stuck with me all of her life. She has to deal with me, right? Um, listen, my mother always thinks the best for me. A parent always loves his kid. My mom will to this day sacrifice for me. And I say, Mom, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. She will always sacrifice for me. You know, that's what God does for his children. So when you see a storm coming, don't go there. Don't think that he doesn't love you. Don't think that this is the end because it's a storm and storms pass. And some of them are pretty big storms. 
Some of them, we face death. We face loss of loved ones. We face all kinds of storms. And God says, remember, I am with you, and I am there. I knew all along that the wind was raging. I knew all along about this. And you can't answer the why of the storm. You can't answer anything. I can't answer nothing about the storms of life. But I'll tell you what. I can say, God, I know you're with me today. And every day in this upside-down world, I don't get rattled by the world anymore. You know, this, uh, th- this pandemic has taught me a whole lot about that. There's nothing to get rattled, folks, because he's with me. You can make me wear a hazmat. You can do whatever, you know, whatever. Listen, at the end of the day, he's with me, isn't he? He's with me. If I get whatever disease, if I... The disciples died 40 years, within 40 years of this time. We're all 40 years from now. You're going to bury me. God says, I am with you. I am with you. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God that we, he has eternity in view. And he is infinite. I'm finite. He is infinite. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to take you to Jesus. He came to this earth. He died on the cross. And he says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to invite you to trust him. He died on that cross to pay for your sin. And he did that so that you could be in eternity with him. I want to invite you right now. Maybe today you're online with us or here in the auditorium. I want to invite you to trust Christ right now. And just call on Him and say, Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You you came back to life again. And God, I, I know that you're God. So I'm going to trust you with my heart, with my soul. And for others in this room, maybe today you're going through a storm. Maybe the storm's over, but the waves are beating up against the side of your boat every day, and it hurts so bad. And every day there's more pain. And you say, wow, I thought the pain would be over. And then another storm comes. And then another storm. May I take you to the safest place in all the world. The will of God. Hang on to his hand. Reach out. Don't have to have a lot of faith, folks. Just reach out and grab him. So today, there's things that you are struggling with. Things that you know God wants to do in your life. You know that God, maybe you even disagree with God on things. I want to encourage you today to surrender Him and say, God, I give you my life and I'm going to reach out. I'm going to trust you. I don't understand everything about this, God. I don't understand the whys. The storms have been so hard, but I'm just going to reach out. I'm going to trust you and let Him take care of the rest. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, thank you for your word. As we've just been going verse by verse through the book of Mark and seeing who you are, the story of Jesus, like this is truly remarkable. You would 
calm the wind and the waves, that you have power, that you can do this. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. And I ask that you'll do great things as we continue. Use your word all week long, Lord. May this story, may your word speak to us today, tomorrow, all week long, Lord. Free people, Lord. There's people in our midst here today and people online that that need to be freed from 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 the, the, the grip of the storm, Lord. They're, they've surrendered to the storm. I pray, Lord, today, let us surrender to you. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to invite Eric and Lisa Raspberry up to the stage. Eric has been our student pastor for the last three years. Would you welcome them? Imagination tonight. The stars shine bright and spell my name. The winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart. Under the night sky I'm drifting off. In the deep of the valley, your presence surrounds me. The crickets sing and trees ring and I want to let you know that.
as my eyes close and mind awakes No words come to fill the space Cause words, they don't do your power much justice It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory